Thank you for tuning in to the Soul Purpose Podcast with Coach Brian Thomas. I'm so glad you decided to join me on the journey of life, liberty, and a pursuit of purpose. Let's get started. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Soul Purpose Podcast with yours truly, Coach Brian Thomas. Tonight, I have a very humble and very special guest that I was introduced to actually back in 2010. Um, For those of you that know me from my younger years, I used to attend a youth camp, um, Truth Ministries or TM Youth Camp. I attended that uh, 18 years of my life from 1996 to 2007. And then I stopped for a brief second. And then from 2010 to 2014, and I had uh, really an amazing time and I met some amazing people. And she was one of those individuals that I ended up meeting. Now, when I met her, um, she definitely was young, vibrant, but now she's older, she's wiser, she's stronger, and she's better than ever, as Marvin Sapp would say in the song, never would have made it. And now she's here in front of me and we're having a candid, lovely conversation about her evolution from where she was back then in 2010 to where she is now. So, ladies and gentlemen, podcast listeners, it is the one and only Kendra Golden or Golden Grams on Facebook as I know her. Mrs. Golden, Kendra Golden Grams, how are you this evening? I am so blessed and so well. I am so excited. I've literally been talking about this event, this opportunity for the past week or so. Um, Because like I said, I see your content and I see what you do. And I'm always excited to collaborate with people who have a very um, open and expansive and semi-liberated way of thinking (laughs) and being. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a bit. Thank you. Well, a lot of bit. So it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Perfect. Now, anyone that knows me, you know, I am one of those ones that I'm going to ask you questions that are going to allow you to be who you are. Um, I did grow up, you know, in church, but evolution happens. You have to have your own personality. Mm -hmm. So, I was introduced to you in 2010 and you were young and vibrant, as I said before, and now you're older, better, wiser. What are some life lessons that you have learned really in that time frame, the last, you know, really, let's go the last five years of your life where things have evolved to where they are now. Um, what are some life lessons that you have gained that really give you um, the perspective that you have now living your life? I would say the biggest one, and I know I, I know we hear this all the time, but I feel like very few people apply it, is study to show thyself approve. And that approval is not the validation of my church, my colleagues, my family, but it is truly the approval 
from God and the relationship that God and I have. That has been by far the most monumental in making sure that I'm upright and postured correctly so that when I'm speaking, when I'm teaching, providing coaching, counseling, like I'm not just talking out the side of my neck or I'm opinionated. I can show you where the word says this. I have the experience. We could cross-reference strong concordance, whatever tools you using. I'm That's always it. willing to go the extra mile because I like a good debate, a healthy one. But mm -hmm. most importantly, I, I desire for people to get it and get it in the way that God intended it for it to be, not just this very intubated way of learning, thinking living, like get it, get it for yourself and then see how that applies to the path that God has called for your own life as an individual. That is a beautiful, beautiful perspective. Now that goes with the different challenges that you have had in your life. So uh, I remember when uh, we crossed paths at TM Camp 2010, I believe that you were on the other side that I had an opportunity to be on the other side um, years later. And that is the side of the union, the I do, the um, down the aisle. So mm -hmm. tell me the experiences that you gained from that. Uh, what were some of the things that you gained from that period of, of your life where you were at one point in time, you were married and it seemed as though, hey, this is something that I can look forward to. And then the changes that you gained from that. Yeah, so I was, I believe you said that was what, 2010? 2010. We were still inside of, we were still inside Hollow Hills Camp Brown. Yes. And, um, Ooh, dark times, right? <laughs> it was, right. It was rough up there, but we, we got did work nonetheless. Yeah. Um, 2010. So this is the mark where this is right before I leave to go overseas because there, th this is right on the cusp. I think I left about 2011, 2012 before I left. So I was seeking and I was searching. And at the time, my husband at the time, because we later divorced in like 2014. So at the time I was simply just seeking for something because if I can go back maybe a year or so that year prior, my son, who is now 17 years old, was attending um, Turning Point Schools. This is before the, the building. This was when they were just partitioning up in the gym. And there was a young lady, one of the teachers at the time that was there, and she invited me to a revival service. Um, elder, I can't, his name escapes me. I want to say Martin, that could be, I could be wrong. But he is so colloquial and very animated in how he does um, his, his teaching and his preaching. Mm -hmm. um, and she invited me to this revival. And I'm not going to lie to you, at the time, I was not thinking about what is God going to revive or doing me? What bless <laughs> I just wanted a place to dress up because I was now going to church all the time. I had all this cute stuff I wanted to wear. My hair was lit. And you know, we, we treat offering like it's the New York fashion week. Tell so it. everybody, 
I'm just calling the spade a spade here. (laughs) You know, this was my opportunity to see some more church folks and put it out there like your girl is here. So I get there. We are at Mount Zion and not the Mount Zion apostolic. This is Mount or Pentecostal. This is Mount Zion uh, with Lambergates. Right. We're we're right down 38th Street and it was cold. It was snow on the ground and I had on these four inch heels. It was it was something. It was a sight to see. Clearly, right. I was still going through the transition. And um, a young lady, I came and sat down and a young lady from grade school, I had not seen this young lady in a really long, like years, comes and sits next to me, we embrace. And she says to me, hey, you want to go get prayer? And I'm like, no, I'm not interested. She was like, well, come get prayer with me. And I'm like, okay, I'll come up there and we walk up to the front and it's these four ladies dressed in white. I thought they were nurses. I'm still learning. (laughs) Um, So she's like, I only come to these four ladies. These four ladies right here are the ones um, who get me to the altar. They the one they get me, they get me laid out on my face. And I'm like, I'm listening, but I, you know, I'm here to support. We go to give prayer. And this was at the beginning of service. This was at the beginning of service. They go around and they say, hey, um, young lady, do you have anything you want to pray for? And I said, no, I'm just up here to support my friend. So whatever God wants for her, I want that for her too. It was that simple. We grab hands. When I came to, when I came to. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's a repeat. When you came to, it was means When I came into moment. myself. Mm-hmm. Not only was service over, mind you, this was at the beginning of service. Not only was service over, but I could hear the utterance of my speaking in tongues. Wow. Now, I'm embodying this, but I have absolutely no idea what I'm experiencing because mm-hmm. I was not a member of Turning Point. I had come from very Southern Baptist roots. So what I thought was receiving the Holy Ghost was just a bunch of running around shouting and hollering. And then you got it all out and you sit back down. Right. But I, I, I hear myself uttering a different language. And I see these same women crying, rejoicing, still praying. And once I got to a place where I quenched the spirit, because at some point folks were ready to go home, right? So yeah. I got to a point <laughs> where I quenched it and the lady set me up and she was like, uh, do you know what happened? And I was like, no, but it felt good. Uh, you know. <laughs> so she takes me over to the book of Acts. She sits me down. She takes me over to the book of Acts and she starts talking me through what I have experienced. It was literally an upper room experience for me. The rushing wind, falling, the, the gift of speaking into, like it literally happened according to scripture. And so she was trying to baptize me too at the same time, but I'm like, sis, I'm traumatized. I still don't even know what happened. I'm not ready to do that right now. So I took my certificate and I left. There was no one at home, no one in my family to share that experience with because they had never had it. So now here I am telling my son's teacher what happened at Turning Point, rejoice, 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 come to service, come to service, come to service. And I'm like, okay. Altar call again. I'm praying. This speaking in tongues has now become a prayer language. So I'm mm-hmm. saying, and I hear people around me like, did she get the Holy Ghost? Do you know her? Who is this? Did you like people were so concerned because here's this new person mm-hmm. who has this experience, but it wasn't shared with y'all. It was shared in a whole different location. And it was between me and God, right? It mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a shared experience with that body. 
So uh, long story short, I spent a lot of time, I think I spent almost 18 months trying to understand. I want to say that following uh, watch night service, I did end up getting baptized. And it was such a huge deal because at the time you had to be baptized and filled. They have changed the rules now. But at the time you had to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues in order to be in certain ministries. Mm-hmm. I was on multiple ministries, but I had been so hidden, I guess, behind the cross, if you will. No one knew that I hadn't been baptized. All they knew was that I had the Holy Ghost. And to them, that was sufficient enough. That was enough. That was enough. So I'll never forget when I went down on watch night service and Sister Tanya Harris looked at me with the biggest eyes and was like, we need to talk. (laughs) (laughs) And so after it was over and, you know, we eating the uh, breakfast or whatever after service and she was like, I just did not know. And I'm like, well, shoot, I didn't realize it was such a big deal or anybody's business. Like, I just felt like that was something between me and God and it was a personal choice. So that collection of events really reshaped the way that I saw what relationship and salvation looked like. Because I did not know. I wasn't hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I wasn't doing all of that. I wasn't up there crying and slobbing and praying for God to give me this thing. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. And so I spent the next 18 months searching the scripture, trying to get an understanding, getting great teaching because Pastor Harris is great at breaking the etymology of things down to a T, baby. If you walk away with nothing else, you know exactly what that word meant. Taught us about strong concordance and how to use it. So I, I had this newfound love of not only self, but also of Christ. Here's the challenge now, because at the time my husband was deployed. So all of these things are happening while he is away, time zones away. Mm-hmm. He comes back and I'm excited. Hey, look, listen, this is what happened. Immediately, you're in a cult. You're in a cult. This is not okay. We need to leave. He had such a very difficult time processing, even if it, even if the effects were positive. He had such a difficult time processing that the person I expected to come back to was totally different didn't matter if it was good different it was just different so the mechanism the mechanisms and the the techniques that he was using to manipulate and abuse weren't working Mm -hmm. efficiency anymore and now I have community and I have sisterhood and brotherhood and I have prayer partners and I have this whole family that I have built to support this this version of me and even though he just got here I'm still saying come on I want you to be included I want you to get this I want you to get this and that was such a huge challenge and it was then when the downward spiral Mm -hmm. um, began because it's like if you can't beat them join them but if you don't want to join them beat them and that's Mm -hmm. just that's that's how the cookie crumbled for us. And I just remember it being like somewhere in this scripture, this has to not be okay. Mm-hmm. Somewhere, because everybody is talking about infidelity. And I remember 
Brian, I remember praying, God, please let this man just cheat on me so I can just leave with grace. Please let him. Like, that's how bad it had gotten because that's the only thing they were preaching and teaching that was worthy of divorce. And I'm like, God, there is absolutely no way you love me the way that you love me. I have experienced you the way I've experienced you. And you still say, this is what you want for my life. Somebody's lying. We're going to have to make this make sense. We're going to listen. We're going to have to make this make sense. And so I remember it was like one of the last times he had, um, he had, you know, put his hands on me. And I remember running to one of my, one of the sisters from the church, running to her house and telling her what was going on. And I just was like, can you pray with me? And whatever God says, like, let it be just that. And so <laughs> we were praying and then I get a text message um, from a girl, I guess, who he was overseas with at the time, basically let me know like, hey, not trying to start any trouble, this, this, and this, but I just want to let you know, your husband and I have da 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 Hey. That's all you needed to hear. Baby, I don't care about nothing else. I got straight up. And I was like, forget about it. This is, this is great. And that's not to say, let me add a small addendum. That is not to say that, that I was not able or did not have the right to leave before, but in my current condition and way of thinking and believing, that's what I believed. And I feel like I was offered that opportunity because that's what I believe, but I'm not telling anybody to stay through abuse um in their relationships so i want to add that small addendum because that gets very great no it so it's divorce is one of those things um and not a lot of people know the story of what i went through and one of these days i'll dive into the fullness of what i experienced during my time of marriage but diving into the aspect of divorce because um you know, I've had a couple of controversial posts on mm -hmm. social media where, you know, I talked about like how, um, and especially those in church, they have put a cap on the reasons why you will get a divorce, but what they're not really understanding. Um, and I tell anybody that, you know, that comes to me and says, oh, you can't do it. And I tell them this, I said that when you're looking at life and we're looking at marriage, Marriage was never meant to be something that you would be trapped in with someone that is not walking according to the vision that you guys discuss. So anytime that there is a break in what is previously discussed, then that means that you guys are not on the same page. And the Bible says, how can two walk unless they agree? And so when we deal with all the technicalities and everything that goes along with it, people will say, oh, well, you need to stay. Well, that man up there in that heavenly throne is like, if they're not going to go according to what was discussed in the covenant, what are you doing? Because if, 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 if he doesn't make you choose him, why would he force you to stay with somebody that hasn't chosen you also? That's always the... That's always the basis of anybody that tries to come and they try to throw that the whole biblical aspect of say, listen, mm -hmm. <laughs> let's let's not dive into it. But when you begin to see that 
your marriage was headed down a road of no return. When did you get to the point of where you realized it's okay to walk away from this? And God is not going to be mad at me because I decided to choose my peace and my own freedom so that I can evolve to the person that I'm supposed to be. When did you have that peace to know that it's okay to move on? It, it is by far the most tragic of moments, but it happened because my, my divorce was ugly. It, it, mm-hmm. I mean, he drug it out for a good two years. It was, wow. I mean, he was military. So there were a lot of loopholes and pause and go. There was just a lot to it. And in the midst of that, there were times where I'm like, maybe I made the wrong decision. Maybe I should stay, maybe I shouldn't. And it was in the midst of of the waiting for the filing of the divorce where him and I got together because my thing was, okay, if we can't do this together, can we do it for the kids? When we can, we still have at least one day out the week where we do something with the kids to help this with this transition because they were like eight and 10 at the time, give or take. They were still fairly young. And he had agreed originally. And one day we had had an outing, came back, and he snapped. And when I say snapped, I mean there, there are other factors that I won't speak on, you know, for HIPAA reasons i won't compromise the integrity of his story but Mm -hmm. there were other factors there that played into that moment and um i remember being thrown down a flight of steps because the house that we had shared together had this long flight of steps going upstairs and most of the abuse that had happened happened behind closed doors and never in front of my children. And that was the first time that that had happened in front of my children. And to look up and see the horror, like in my kids' eyes, like, did that just happen? That took everything in me to be like, nope, I don't ever want to see that look on my children's faces again. And that was literally the it. For me, like that's the place I kept going back to, that face, that look. And so it took a really long time, I'm not gonna lie, it took a really long time for me to get to a place where I didn't feel like I had tore my house down, where I had broken up the home that my children were raised in. It took a really long time to get to that. But all it took was one revival and we back. It took one revival. I remember asking God in prayer prior, do you forgive me? And the Holy Spirit said, yes, but do you forgive you? And that was a very powerful, but I still need a confirmation because I'm traumatized. I'm not sure of myself. You know, trauma has a way of doing things to the brain and nothing seems real and everything seems real at the same time. So at this, this tent revival, I'm like, I'm going to just go up there and I'm going to see if I can get some confirmation. And it was Sister Ingram. I got up there to pray. She put her hands on mine and she looked up here. She looked up at me and said, why do you keep coming up here when God already told you what he said? (laughs) You know, why do you keep, why is God's voice not enough for you? I mean, she was, 
very con convicted with it. I mean, almost angry with me for like, girl, get out of line. There's people up here who really need some stuff. You mm -hmm. have the oil. You have the anointing. You hear his voice. You ain't got, she said to me, you ain't got to talk mouth to mouth. How is it his voice is not enough for you? She said, I'm going to pray for you, but you already know what God said. And she prayed a totally different prayer against what I was coming up there for anyway. <laughs> you know, amen, bless the Lord for obedience. Right. But at the same time, when I that moment right there, I felt like it confirmed something better than what I originally was coming up there for confirmation with. Like, yeah, you're right. Actually, I do know what God's voice sound like. And I do know what his spirit feels like. And I do understand what he means, even if nobody else, because family and church family alike, even after the divorce, were still trying to get me to go back to that man got a good job. He got that nice house. The kids got a daddy at home. I mean, we're still pushing the narrative to go back and be, go back to Egypt. At least you know what's there. <laughs> that's what they were, that's what they were really honing in on. But that one moment solidified it for me. Like, no, you already know what God said. And other people know that you know. That's the thing. That was the thing for me. Other people know that you know. They see it in you. They see it on you. They feel it within you. They know. How come you struggling? These are questions I had to ask myself. How come you struggling? Mm -hmm. So that that moment right there really, I mean, and by then, so now we're in 2014, 2015, 2016, you know, um, riding into that. And that's what really flipped that 180 that's what really turned that 90 degrees into 180 completely and I'm just like okay nope I'm done I don't care if I got to be ugly the monster the villain the antagonist I don't care how ugly this got to be I'm gonna do what God told me to do and God told me to leave and that's just that was no nah, um, not you nah I'm gonna tell you what you're doing what you're doing is you are going against a lot of the a lot of the rhetoric that um i heard so i remember and i'll tell this little funny story and uh, when we get offline um i'll tell you you know even more in depth but i remember the night before my divorce case to be finalized i had a conversation with someone and i told them hey this is what's getting ready to happen tomorrow they happened to tell me you can't do that. And if you do that, you can't get married again. And I remember telling them, I was like, hey, when another person makes a decision, um, I can't control it. Because one of the things that I've learned coming up as a kid, and it has helped me out through various heartbreaks, is you don't have any control over another person. And so when another person makes a decision to do something, you have two options, um, accept it or just um, respect it. That's it, you got your two. You gotta mm -hmm. respect it or respect it. One is gonna be painful, one is more free. And so I respected that decision that was made to move on. And they told me, well, you know, according to the Bible, you can't do this and you can't get married again. And they proceed to pick up the phone and reach out to my pastor. And then my pastor calls me 
the night before. Now I'm already like traumatized because I'm realizing, okay, this is going to be probably one of the most life-changing events that I'm getting ready to have mm-hmm. in the next 24 hours or so. And I remember listening to my pastor on the phone and him telling me, and I'm so traumatized that I'm just like, I don't even have time to deal with it. And understanding that a divorce is not something that anybody wakes up and is in their mind and say, hey, this is what I want to do. But the reality is this. People are going to get married. They're going to discover themselves. And then the person that they're married to is going to discover that they've discovered themselves and they're going to discover, I don't want to be a part of this journey with the person that has discovered who they are because the person that I married, I never expected them to get to a level where they'll see me in my weakness and I don't have the strength, I don't have the space, I don't have the understanding that in order for me to participate in this person's life, I got to discover some parts about myself too. And so what I love about what you said was there was a level of discovery that you went through and that level of discovery caused this person that was able to obtain you in a state of mind where you just didn't know who they were. They now found out, oh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to evolve in order to be a part of that. And the manipulation probably began to show its ugly head once you came over to understanding who God created you to be. Now, here you are, you have moved on from that. Now, describe what life is like out here in the single space. Because let me tell you, when you go through a divorce, it's like you stepped over. You know how those uh, those movies where this person was in this alternate world and they came to earth and what they had going on in the alternate world, it was like, It's not the same. It ain't the same. That's just how it is when you come from a divorce to being single and then you having conversations and you think, oh, you like somebody, but then you realize, okay, I had to discover myself. And now you start seeing little Mm -hmm. seeds of what you Mm -hmm. dealt with before. You be like, "Uh uh-uh. So how did you deal with that transition to now you're single and of course, with you being single, you have needs, you have wants, you have desires, you know, studies show that when as a woman gets older, the hormones start going backwards. For the men, our, our little drive start going down, but for the women, it's like y'all popped a, a red bull inside of y'all uterus, and y'all like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. <laughs> right. Listen, I'm gonna tell you what my saving grace was. I'm gonna I'm be so I'm gonna keep it so transparent with you. This was right. what kept me. Mm-hmm. I was broke, and I was not one. I am not one of those people. Like I say this all the time. I don't know how people can be broke and keep making kids. Like that's it's unattractive. I'm not even in the mood because go to work, go get money, do something. How are we poor and procreating? That's that, that mindset does not settle well with me. So what people, what people have to understand is that I did it semi accordingly because when I got married, I was married for 12 years. When Mm -hmm. I got married, I had moved out of my mom's house. 
and mm -hmm. into his home. I had never lived on my own. I didn't know, I didn't know how to be a single person. Mm -hmm. I immediately became a mom, immediately became a wife. I didn't know how to do any of those things. So I spent a lot of time like, how I'm going to pay this? How I'm going to do this? I didn't even know. Wait a minute. I just paid this. Why am I getting an email or text message saying your next bill is ready for viewing? I like, <laughs> stop talking to me. So like men in general just became unattractive in the sense that I am spending energy and time with you and putting myself together to look this part just to go home and still not be fulfilled and have nothing. Like it was a very, very dark road. And my breaking point for me was when I remember calling the kid's dad. And I said, listen, you don't have to give me a dime, but the kids are hungry. I don't have any food here to cook or eat. I don't have any money to do it. Can you just come get them and get them something to eat or just bring them something just so they can eat? And that man said to me on the phone, if you hadn't left, this wouldn't be a problem. You figure it out. And I remember feeding, and I love the fact that I can tell this story without the emotions attached to it because it speaks to liberation. But I remember driving my kids to that. It's like a 7-Eleven right up the street from Turning Point. And I remember going there and feeding my kids like gas station food. So whatever was left on the rotating heater or hot dog pizza. And the kids didn't know any better. They're like, oh, this is fun. We get slushies, we can. And the whole time I'm just praying, like, please let them be full. Let them get full. <laughs> let this be right. sufficient for the day because I need them to go to bed after this and then I will figure it out or something tomorrow. But that moment triggered something in me to like, you got to get your stuff together, sis. You can't. This cannot, you cannot be relying on this particular space. So I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what my benefits, what my resources are. I was on food stamps. I had WIC. I had Medicaid. I had every resource out there you can think of. Then I started working over at Turning Point so my kids could go there free of charge. Like I was doing everything I could to cut costs and still have the basic necessities. So that's at the time, it was embarrassing. I'm not even gonna lie as a woman. It was embarrassing to not have all your needs met on your own and you're meeting new people and then they're talking about their careers and their salary and all these things they wanna do and they traveled and all of this stuff. And I'm just sitting over here like, Lord, I just hope them lights are still on. Mm. When I get back to the house, I just hope that me enjoying this time is not going to be broken up by my ex-husband pulling up on me with the kids or trying to so dating was so incredibly difficult and then even then now I have some substance right like spiritually so I want to have these conversations but a lot of men were just interested in the aesthetics so obviously I, I get it with men physical first that's that's natural. Let's ladies, that's natural. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because people act like that's not a thing. So I, I would understand coming in that, okay, this is, you know, the way men receive you out the gate, but I want to talk to you. Can I hear the way you think? Can I hear your mind? Where are you going? What's your relationship with God? Hey, I found this new scripture. Tell me what your thoughts were to it. How did you know? They just wanted to get straight to the nitty gritty. And I'm like, 
this is not life. This cannot be. So why are y'all so overzealous about putting y'all penis in everybody? I can't. It was a very bizarre time to be alive because I felt naked, but without anything to put, I, like I felt exposed. I'm thrown out here and thrust out here into the dating world because I do desire companionship and family and community and love. And I do want all those things. I still wanted to be married again, but I didn't want it like that. I don't, I don't, I didn't, I don't want it like that. I don't care about you having the ability to take care of me or buy me pretty things. What is, what is your ability to handle my heart? Am I still able to talk to you when I'm able to evolve? If God calls me to a certain place and you may not be there yet, will you still respect me and love the submissive portions of me without taking away this thunder and lightning and fire that God created me for his kingdom? Like, can you love me like that? And I was always met with such underwhelmingly disappointed mitts. You feel me? Like, Jesus. <laughs> it was just really, it was just a really, really hard time because people had a way of making you feel like you were unreasonable or you were asking for too much or to settle. And I'm like, God, there's no way. I mean, I'm back. There is no way you are opening doors for me. And these men ain't even opening mine. There is absolutely no way that this is what you will have for me. So I did. I went through a course of going through all of Pharaoh's sons before I got to a place <laughs> where I was just like, you know what, God, I'm going to just let you decide because I don't pick good. I don't pick well. I don't pick right. Um, maybe my checklist is off. You know, I, I don't know because I just feel like in order for you to see how you've healed in relationships, you have to be in another relationship. That's the only way you're going to get that experience. And I'm just like, hmm, I ain't do this one right either. Nope, <laughs> he ain't got it. Nope, I ain't. You know, the Jesus sandals smacking the back of my neck, like, sis, that ain't it. Daughter, I said no. So, you know, it's just like, it, 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 was, it's, it was hard. It still is incredibly, mm -hmm. whoo, incredibly difficult to find yoke and by yoke I don't mean what people have misinterpreted by yoke I mean obviously if we think about the way that yoke is used with oxen one of them is not a hundred percent, but they are paired together because there is something about the strong one that will strengthen the other one to bring them up to par. And unfortunately, even though I know that I am gifted with such maternal and healing properties, the goal is not always to be my counterpart's therapist at some hold, point. Hold, 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 hold up, <laughs> hold up, hold up. I need you to say that one more time. I need the people in the back mm -hmm. to hear what you just said. My goal is never to be my counterpart's therapist by any means. I desire for you to come and find safety, security, vulnerability, comfortability in those very weakened and troubled spots. We can go to God and pray together. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to do all of that. 
But if that is the only role that I am playing, I will burn out. I will become disinterested. I will not feel valued in this space. And that that was a growing thing with me. Like, I'm not one of those people, you attract what you are. I'm not broken. I don't have mommy and daddy issues. I'm not like, I feel like I'm in a really great place. That's why you were attracted to me. But what else? Mm -hmm. Like, what, 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 what did you bring to this? You know, and so it's, it's just been a very, very difficult and incredibly exhausting feat um, trying to find the yoke, <laughs> regardless to which side I sit on. Uh, whether the one that needs strengthening or the one doing the strengthening is just been an incredibly difficult um, journey in that particular part of my life. Now, the therapist part that you just said, I think where a lot of women, um, they find their struggle is that there are a lot of whole women that are out there. Now, I know I, I joke around at different things like that, but there are a lot of whole women that are out here that they're not even asking for the whole financial provision aspect because I believe a mature woman understands that um, as a man develops that there are going to be some times that he may end up falling short. You know, every bill in the house, he may not be able to cover during certain seasons of his life. And so that woman that comes in to his life understands the value of teamwork. However, I think that one of the things that men struggle with is, and I will get in trouble with this. Um, I get in trouble with this all the time. But, you know, we throw that word submission. And I think that many people have a, a patriarchal understanding of the Bible where they say, um, a man dominates and rules no matter what, and that his suggestions come from his masculinity or his suggested masculinity, and that the help that he really gets from that woman is, you're going to do these things that I say you should do according to the basis of what society says you should do. But in reality, when we even look at scripture and the Bible, uh, when God presented Eve to Adam, Adam was in a place of submission. He was submitted to God. And when you're submitted to God, what ends up happening is, is that um, your will, your thoughts, and your intentions, they all go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And then when you come into the foundation of what he's called you to do, you realize that in certain instances of your life, you need help. And so what we find out with many men is, and you find this out many times, is that many men will get into relationships. They'll be these great providers, financially they'll be able to provide. Um, they'll be able to, you know, hold the house down um, with, you know, different things that they need to do. But they will get to a point where emotionally mm -hmm. they need to be available so that the strength of that woman's femininity can show up in their life and they're not prepared. Yeah. They're not prepared. I agree with that a hundred percent. I was actually talking about this to someone yesterday because the, the young man was saying something along the lines of, um, God gave Adam Eve, I mean, just loud and wrong. You know, God, <laughs> gave, God gave Adam Eve um, so that she could come in and do what he needed her to do. I mean, just 
like hitting every exit on 465, just not not <laughs> miss, missing the mark completely. And I had to oh, take man. him back to the scripture because you know the word defends itself. Right. It doesn't know it doesn't need no help. And when I get to a place where I feel like my passion and opinion are getting ready to exalt itself. I just go back to the word uh, because that's not changing. And God said what God said. And so I had to go back and remind him. I said, before God even gave Adam Eve, he had provision. He had a job. He had relationship with God. He had assignment and instruction. He had value within his own ecosystem. So a lot of times you have these men using, like you said, this patriarchal view of what this Adam and Eve submission and dominance, all of this, but you don't even have the basics that God required before the help me. You lack those things to start with. And then the emotional piece of it is, I this gets me in trouble a lot, an awful lot, especially with the female community, the woman community. I feel like by far men settle way more than women do. And I'm going to tell you why. I know. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Now you 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 starting to kind of step into the a little bit of the controversy that um, I dive into because when we're deal with like the settling aspect, I believe that when people a lot of people they get married, a lot of people they are getting married because they're settling for a portion of their identity. And they don't even have an identity. And so when they get married, they're like, okay, well, I didn't really know myself as a single woman. I really didn't know myself before then. So now I'm married. Then that means that I get a, a that means that I get a, 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 a ounce of respect because I am in a, what we would consider to be a respectable identity. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you something about marriage. If you don't have an identity, marriage is going to put you on a plate and eat you alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Set that plate on fire. You hear me? So yes, it will. With the settling aspect, dive into that um, just a little bit more. And you know what? I think we are going to have to do a part two because this is starting to get really, really good. So mm-hmm. listen, but dive into that. Dive into that settling aspect. Real quick, because I feel like men, and and this is not to say small addendum before anybody tries to attack the stuff. (laughs) Men and women settle, okay? I'm not saying anything that is more or less or others, but based off of observation, data, science, and just flat out common sense at this point, we are talking about how men settle far more than women. And that's because from a very young age, men are taught that their value is everything external. What do you look like? What do you sound like? Is your voice deep enough? Is your handshake hard enough? Do you make enough money? Are you able to dominate a room? Are you able to provide in abundance? Do you have your stuff together? Is your watch on the right wrist? Is your haircut the right? You are taught that all of your value, how much you can do in your home, in your community, at work, all your value is outside of you. So then when you get with a woman, who looks the part, sounds the part, 
makes you look good, you know, that's a good looking something on your side. And I'm not saying that part's not important because you do want that. You do want somebody you want to look at. So when I'm mad at you, I ain't talking about you. you <laughs> All right. I do want somebody that I like looking at. I'm not going right. to lie. And I think anybody who's honest can say the same thing. So right. you get that, but then you start getting into matters of the heart. And there are areas that they have never even tapped into. I wasn't taught how to communicate effectively, and especially not the parts that deal with areas where I don't feel my greatest, where I feel inferior, where I feel uncomfortable, where I feel fear, where I feel sadness, where I feel disrespect. You know, we're they're, they're taught to um, express anger and authority and power, brute force to deal with those things, but they're not taught how to balance their own feminine energy by dealing with those internal things. So then they spend the latter part of their relationship riding that emotional roller coaster. One minute you think we got it. And then all it takes is a new level, a new situation, something else that you didn't realize was still suppressed. And now boom, we're here. A lot of mothers, especially single mothers, and I say this respectfully because I have to check myself often, mm-hmm. raise their sons to be the man that they do not have. They are raising their sons to be the man that they do not have. So when they get with another woman who God has sent that is best and suited for their life, they don't even recognize her or they fight against her. There's so much resistance because mama has my heart because I was taught this is the way a man should do it. And the whole time it was never supposed to be that. So yes, yeah, so men definitely, they looking at who they are on the exterior saying that's enough. And then they meet women who are also looking at the exterior that's enough. And then y'all get together and find out it's not. She don't know how to talk to me. She don't know how to help me deal with me. She always nagging and complaining about something. She don't understand the pressures that I feel. I would never want to manifest myself coming back as a man ever in my life. Never. Do you feel me? So mm-hmm. when I say that, <laughs> I say that from a psychological, physiological place, mental and emotional place, not so much that women is dogs and no, that's, that's childish. What I am saying is that these things are not taught at an elementary level first. They're, they're not, they're not often talked about at home. Boys don't cry. We don't do that. Chin up, chest out. That, that's the, the, the narrative that is being ran with so many boys. So now they don't know how to cry. So what do they do? They yell, they argue, they hit. They disassociate. They suppress with unhealthy habits like drugs, alcohol, and sex. You know, so you, you have those things that you're up against, but nobody's talking about the, these things because the church is often teaching men how to be men and women how to be wives. Oh, oh wait. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. That was a curveball you just threw at me. Say that one more time. I said too often the churches are teaching men how to be men and women how to be wives. And what's crazy about that is when we look at the dynamics within the church, there are a lot of men that when they look at the even the wives that are being presented to them it's 
they're not even in a position to be able to really understand the the definition of what a wife is. You know, when we look at um, just within the church, you know, all I hear is, you know, Proverbs 31 and 10, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, he that findeth the wife findeth the good thing and obtain favor. And, oh, you know, you're going to obtain favor. So all you got to do is, you know, get your finances together, mm-hmm. um, you know, have a couple of things in place. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I discovered, you know, even in my marriage, you know, and as, you know, stuff went or whatever and, um, if I told people what I went through in that day, but like, wow, like, how are you able to still do the things that you do and not be upset? And one of the things that I learned at a very early age is accountability. Mm-hmm. You, regardless of how a person treats you, accountability is not just, okay, you being a man or a woman of your word. Accountability is also what you allow. So what have you allowed that goes against the, what is it that you've allowed that goes against the boundaries that you've set? When you are not accountable to your boundaries, then you're going to get the result of what comes. And so what I found out is that there were certain boundaries that for years I didn't deal with. And so when I got married, because I had to deal with those certain boundaries. Now, when a person who is hurt comes into the equation, they're trying to break those boundaries because they want to see you in a position to where you are fighting with them. Mm -hmm. And so with dealing with men being raised to be men, but not um, raised to be husbands, that's a whole nother story. And then women being raised to be wives. I go up and down my timeline on social media and I see a lot of women who they have this euphoria with mm-hmm. the wedding and, you know, every so often I'll put on there and be like, oh, does the ring size matter? Or does it matter about this? And I, and the ones that are, oh, yes, it does. And I say, okay, so let's say he gets you the ring that you, let's say that you getting the ring that you want is going to require you to give up pursuing the best version of yourself later. And you're sitting in divorce court and you're wondering, I lost five years of my life because of a particular ring. This person was able to give me a particular ring that I wanted, but was not able to create an atmosphere mm-hmm. that I was going to be able to grow. Mm-hmm. So that observation I think that's a that's a whole nother dynamic that I think the world is not ready for. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a few more questions, but what we are going to do um, for those that are listening, um, this young lady right here has got to come to season two. She's going to have to come to season two. So um, Golden Grams, um, y- you better get ready for season two. Now in season two, it's going to be we're going to be doing things a lot more uh, specific. I don't know if I necessarily am going to do everything live per se, because some things I want to make sure that I protect, you know, as far as, you know, that live aspect, but we will definitely see. So my last or last two questions that I'm going to ask before we get out of here um, is this now that with this knowledge 
um, that you have gained and obtained from your marriage and your evolution, what is an advice that you would give to um, the ladies that are out here who are naive? Because what you mentioned was when you got married, you were in a, almost in an innocence. You didn't have the information that you have now. So for those young ladies that are innocent, but they desire to get married, they desire to have a family, what are some things that you want to tell these innocent ones out here about how to really get their mind prepared for that level? Mm-hmm. I love how you use the word naive. I'm I'm a lover of words. English is my thing. The naive actually has the word Eve in it. And it speaks mm-hmm. to that sort of all feminine way of being just kind mm-hmm. of floating. Oh, I don't know anything. No logic. All right. Ladies, read a book, read a book, read a book, read about self-help, read about feelings, read about emotions, read about hormones. It is important that you have a conversation with your body so that every time somebody presents you with something shiny or dangling carrot, all of your nervous system just goes into July, 4th of July fireworks. (laughs) And now you think that this man is the one because he met basic necessities, basic requirement. Know who you are and what you want truly without wavering and understand that it's okay to change your mind. Just because you thought that's what you wanted a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, does not mean you cannot want something different moving forward. Find you an ecosystem, create an ecosystem that supports not only what you believe in who you are, but also growth. Everybody in my friend group is not they're either where I'm at or ahead. I need a place to aspire or strive to. You got to have some variety into your life. And last, but most certainly not least, get into your word. And I hear people, there's this new age wave of spiritualism that is happening. It's all mystic and witchy and stuff. And I'm not going to come against it because I feel like that creates the contrast. You need a little bit of both to operate in today's society. You kind of need to know everything it feels like, but get into, don't, don't forget to get back into your word. I encourage you all to do Proverbs, the Proverbs 31 challenge. Every day there's a chapter. They got worksheets, workbooks out there. And don't get so tied up in this whole Proverbs 31 without breaking it down in your Strong's Concordance. That was written specifically by his mother. That was written by his mother. And she was not laying down on her back, barefoot and pregnant, with her hand out, begging for stuff, having no brain of her own, no mind of her own, no business. That's not what this woman speaks of in Proverbs 31. She wasn't even a superwoman. Put the cape up (laughs) and get into your word. Get into your word. So I I think that, I I think I said a lot, but I would get Listen, (laughs) listen. When I found out the origin of Proverbs 31, my mouth dropped because I was like, who deceived y'all? Mm-hmm. It's a lie. Was <laughs> that, oh, I'm a Proverbs 31 woman. I say, oh, did you really go back and study that verse in its original context mm-hmm. and the original um, point of what it was saying? Mm-hmm. You really did that. You realized, mm, mm-hmm. 
Hey, now my last question for the evening is going to be this. With where you are now and what you have seen from women alike, and there are, I believe that there are men that are evolving and it all depends on what, um, what mentorship you're under. What is a word of advice that you would give to the men of today? The one, not the ones that are here playing around with women's hearts um, and not even the ones that are, you know, naive and no, but those ones that are mature and they're on the cusp of making a choice between, okay, I can go out here and grind and get this beautiful woman, but five years down the line, unfulfilled, or I can go out here and really learn who a woman is and add value to her life. What advice would you give to the men of today so that they can present themselves to a woman like you that is a forward thinker, that has an element of high level vision, that has an element of when a man presents himself in the right way, all you're going to do is pour and multiply. What advice would you give to those to those men that are ready or preparing to be ready to handle phenomenal women like yourself? Be brave. <laughs> <laughs> We're not for the weak. Uh, but right. no, be, be brave, but also be honest and don't ever stop communicating. I cannot stress that enough, a woman will respect you more for asking questions, for getting clarity, for not assuming, for not trying to look like the part or men are supposed to be or feel or sound like that. I don't wanna look weak. The minute you present yourself to a woman and you start acting or behaving in a character to look as though you are something you are not, you are a liar and leave that woman alone. Be honest because you want someone who is capable of also handling you where you're at as well. We don't mind the work. Women of integrity, value, wholeness, fullness. We don't mind the work because we understand how creation works. We embody it. It is our duty and obligation um, to, to this universe, to this earth, to do that, to create. Kings are crowned. And who does the crowning? The women who are giving birth do the crowning. So earning those stripes or earning that woman, it's going to come with a little work but just continue to communicate and don't settle. Don't settle. Any woman that gives you grief about having emotions, about feeling feelings, about needing space to cry and think, baby, that's not the woman for you. Because no, no, no woman with integrity wants a man who is always in her face and up her behind. He needs to have some business too. He needs to have some business too but don't stop communicating. I cannot stress that enough. Communicate, communicate, communicate. And some will say, cause I hear, I hear y'all in the ether. Some <laughs> will say, I hear them. I hear them forthright. I don't, I'm not good at that. I don't know how to do that. There are a lot of things that you learn, whether on the job, in sports, in fatherhood, any hood that you've stepped into, there is a skill set that you use to obtain mastery level at this thing, that same skill set applies here. Pick up a book, Google, find mentorship, find other married couple, married people who are going where you're going or want to go. Like don't, don't crutch or wheelchair yourself with, I'm not good at that. Nobody is until they 
do it, right? Practice doesn't make perfect, it makes progress. So I encourage, don't stop. Please don't stop communicating because we're listening. We're listening. Listen, y'all, this was a phenomenal uh, episode. Uh, Golden Grams, uh, Kendra Golden, everybody. You have been introduced to someone that is going to change the world um, in some way, shape, or form, and most likely a major way. Um, last thing, where can these wonderful people that are going to get a chance to listen to this broadcast, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they get started getting to know and being able to read the book called Your Mind? My mind. So <laughs> a lot of times when I'm not out here playing around in singleness, uh, mm -hmm. you can find me both on Instagram and on Facebook as Golden Grounds. Like it's it's still a thing. It transcends. But I also today just rebooted my own podcast. Because I've had it since 2020. Oh, see, nah, uh-uh. <laughs> and my baby been in ICU. Listen, my baby been in ICU. I ain't lying. It ain't got number one episode on it. And I went back today to go and see how my baby was doing. And she still had listeners. I made a couple coins, like it's still Listen. life happening over there. So I said, you know what, God, okay. And it's entitled Unreal, like the word R-E-A-L, Unreligiously Saved, colon, Heathens in Heaven, because I know we all like to get involved in what true salvation looks like. And I'm here to just bust up the narrative. Um, I'm not Esther, I'm Amos. That's coming by sword in Jesus' name. <laughs> Listen, y'all, it has been a wonderful, uh, wonderful time that I've had a chance to um, have a conversation with this young lady. So you will see her back on season two. And there um, we're going to even see more of the evolution for. So for those that had a chance to tune in, thank you for uh, rocking with me uh, this evening. And for those of you that are going to get introduced to her, I'm going to let you know now. Bring your ears, bring your eyes, and bring your mind because they're all going to expand once she has done speaking. Again, thank you for tuning into the Soul Purpose Podcast. You guys have an amazing uh, evening, morning, whichever time frame you're listening, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, y'all.